Welcome to the Lead Your Life series, where we share real-life experiences of how personal struggles and seeming setbacks were turned into phenomenal stories of hope and grace. My name is Faye Shoyo, and um, this is my personal story of my struggle with um, self-identity. It started with uh, my growing up at my early teens. I had a very low self-esteem. I attributed value to what I have. And since I didn't have much, I felt like I had no value. I was born to a single mother. and My mom and my dad were unmarried. In fact, my dad was married to another and my mom was an affair. So, um, started out that my background was, you know, what you could call the child of a strange woman or um, a bastard. So that was how I grew up. Barely three years after I was born, uh, my mother died. So, I practically grew up at um, families, places, and um, that void was there. And I kept, you know, thinking that if I had my mom, probably I would feel better about myself. Another thing was I didn't have a, a good physical posture. I had a bone issue which uh, affected my back. And so it made me feel like I was not going to be desired by anyone, that um, nobody was going to love me. And um, it uh, you know, was a contributing factor to the low um, feeling, lowly feeling of, of um, not being valuable. I also didn't have much stuff, physical stuff, material stuff, um, when I was in the secondary school. And that also attributed for the low self-esteem that I felt because people who had stuff were respected back then. People who had stuff, you know, could make decisions on behalf of other people. So I felt like I didn't worth anything. I became very academically backward. I also struggled, you know, to get promoted to... The next class I struggled for many years to always try to get promoted and I will come maybe 10 to the last in the class the class of 50 I remember that I had the 38th position at some point it was really bad so I began to sink into despair self-pity loneliness and uh, I was encumbered with worry the anxiety with stress and I was perpetually sad. I remember that I wanted out of that feeling, but I didn't know how. And um, one of the earliest ways of escape for me was to be reading novels. Um, that was what linked me to reading novels and then, you know, ultimately romantic novels. I remember that I would dwell in the pages that had explicit sexual explanations. I would stay there 
I would allow myself to be soaked into those feelings. I desired that kind of feeling. I wanted it to happen to me physically. I imagined how sex would be and um, all the pleasures that come from it. So I began to, you know, graduate from that stage to seeing uh, porn. But porn for me started with uh, magazines, pictures and magazines, pictorials. And um, I would feast on it for long hours. I would imagine I would be soaked into it. And after a while, I had the opportunity to see live porn um, video. And I began to do porn. And invariably, I found a way of letting it out. Uh, you know, making out. And I remember that I grew up with um, a strong sense of you know, some form of uh, spirituality and I remember that um, I was told severally to, you know, hold on to my virginity and not give it out and not sleep with people and that's going to be my value when I am married. So I held on to that aspect of me because obviously I had nothing of value and that was the only thing I could hold on to. So. I began to devise ways in which I could still have that part of me intact and still, you know, use porn and make out even without being penetrative uh, in my uh, sexual approach. And that went on for a long time. Now, I knew that it was wrong. I knew that what I was doing was a secret uh, things I couldn't, you know, be caught doing, and um, it, it killed me that I, you know, that I was doing that. And you know, I told myself I was going to stop, and then I tried to stop, and then I couldn't stop. You know, I would cry myself out. I would sob all night. I would um, do so much to come out of it. I found out that I couldn't stop. I prayed, I kept journals, I would read books, and I, I kept being at a loss. So I needed help. At that point, I knew that I I needed help. I couldn't continue to, you know, ask for forgiveness. I couldn't continue to to try to help myself. I knew that I needed something more help that was beyond me. And um, at that time, I began to think about my life, about what I wanted to be in the future. I knew that I could be better. I knew that I could do better. But I knew that if I did not get the struggles you know, out of my way, um, it had a power to suppress me and not allow me to you know, truly express who I was meant to be. So I began to look for how to come out of it. For a while, I continued in that hopeless treadmill of shame and guilt. And, um, you know, it took me some years. And I remember that some of the articles I came across when I was trying to look for a way to come out, you know, focused on porn being a guy problem. So at that point, you know, my situation got worse because I thought it was just supposed to be a guy problem. And here I am, you know, struggling with it. So, I was very down. I thought that um, 
I was the only one that struggled with it. You know, and no matter how hard I tried to save myself, you know, I couldn't help myself. But I remember that there was a time in my life where I decided that enough was enough. I was tired of being tired. And I, you know, decided to write down my feelings. I wrote down everything I felt. I began to see that um, I was, I was, um, I accepted my frailty, the frailty of my humanity. I knew that uh, willpower could not do anything for me. I knew that guilt, guilty feeling, and shame would not cleanse me. So I, I, there had to be a better way. And then I began to seek help from different quarters. I remember the, that the, one of the things I did at that time was I began to read up books, um, psychological books. And I began to look at how habits were formed. Um, it was then that I found out that the problem was not exactly the one that I was looking at. The problem was the inadequacies that I felt and I was trying to feed. So it would deal with the triggers of the problem. What were my inadequacies? I began to itemize them. I had a low self-esteem. I felt unpretty. You know, I felt sad. I'm constantly in a place of stress and despair. I'm always anxious. I worry too much. And those were the reasons why I began to use porn as medicine to, you know, kind of kill that, that insecurities and those inadequacies. But I also understood that with lust, enough is usually never enough. You know, we wouldn't be able to see enough uh, porn to cure that loss. We wouldn't be able to, you know, sleep with enough people to cure lust would always be hungry for more and become trapped in a never-ending pursuit or uh, wrong desires. And then so I began the long, you know, but surely process of coming out. I started with affirmations. I began with positive affirmations and uh, visualization. I began to look at what I wanted to be in future. I began to do search, began to check what I was created for, try to discover my purpose and the moment I got that, I began to visualize it, this is what I'm going to be in future, hence this and this are not allowed in my life so, when I saw myself in a better light and I began to look at, you know how I am supposed to be how God sees me He helped me in the area of my inadequacies. I remember that that was when I adopted the name Treasure. Uh, it was God's treasure. I saw myself as a treasure in the eyes of Jesus. Someone who is uh, made out of fine material. Someone who is, who is um, a special specimen. So I began to see myself as that. And, you know, somehow it began to change my thinking because, you know, really... It has to do with the mind. So when I left, you know, when I continued in that, I also began to, you know, one-on-one face my fears. What are the fears? I atomized all of them. And I began to help myself. 
come out of it. In the area of family love, I remember that I tried to make new friends, make new family, people who I could look up to, who I could call brother, who I could call sister. And uh, I began to feel loved, um, surrounded by good people. And I remember that um, I began a very, very painful process of self-discipline. I remember that um, I read somewhere that self-discipline, you know, begins with a mastery of thoughts. And um, when we cannot control what we think, we will not be able to you know, ultimately control our life. So I began to consciously, intentionally um, walk about, uh, walk towards clearing my thoughts, you know, mastering my thoughts. I would do that for days. Started with what I ingested, the media, what I was listening to, what I was looking at. I was cutting out, you know, movies, cutting out any of these things that feed the spirit, and um, you know, stay in the storehouse of the spirit, and are always looking for a way of expression. I, I was able to, you know, begin to work on that self-discipline, and I remember that. Another very, very painful thing that I did was accountability. I had read in different places that we had to open up to somebody else, you know, who could help us. And that was a very difficult thing to do, being that um, it's a sexual uh, addiction, which, you know, is so it's not supposed to be heard out there. Already I was... Um, I was doing well physically and a lot of people had no idea of what I was of what I was struggling with so I didn't know how to tell people or tell anybody at all what my feeling was but I remember that I took it took so much courage for me to eventually open up to somebody and um, somehow the moment I opened up to people you know the more people I spoke spoke out to it about, the more I feel better about myself, the more, you know, it looks as if I break the jinx, because abuse uh, thrives in secrecy, and um, the use of porn is an abuse, because that's not how sex is supposed to be, you know, I began to change my thinking about how sex is supposed to be, sex is good, sex is beautiful, and it's pleasurable, but it must be between man and a woman in a committed union, um, I began to look at sex the way God, you know, made it. And then another thing I knew that I did was getting past self-pity. I'm still working on that as well. Uh, self-pity is the most harmful emotion anyone can have. You know, it has the ability of making people, you know, wallow deeper in a, in a ditch. I began to work on you know, seeing myself highly, not, pe- not wallowing in pity of maybe what has happened to me in the past or what I should have that I don't have and all that. And then I, I remember that the moment I began to work, coming out of self-pity, I became, I became, you know, more liberated. Also, another thing I felt, I found out that, uh, I found out was that um, there is no uh, one-size-fits-all approach to wanting to 
come out of um, pornography addiction and everybody had their own different ways so I had to learn personally what mine was and I had to study you know as I said earlier that familiar pattern what was the hunger and what was I using to feel the hunger and what was the satisfaction for me my brain already had seen that you know more than 21 times and that's only how many times it takes to form an habit you know so I needed to create a new habit to cancel that one now it takes harder to break an habit that's already been formed but you know intentionally consciously I worked it out and eventually I was able to eventually uh, be able to decree you know in front of people that I am free uh, today I am free and um, I am helping many people to become free as well I founded House of Treasure a social enterprise which basically reached out to young people teenagers you know making their lives better generally through personal development, skill, career training, and all that. But particularly, we work with people who have sexual assault uh, history, sexual assault uh, victims, people who have some form of emotional trouble, or people who have been raped. Uh, we connect them with the experts that they need, as that's psychologists, sex therapists, and in some cases, uh, forensic medical counseling and all that so and after they are done with that we like to use the opportunity to uh, reinstate them into the society and that's we use through skill acquisition um, I believe that some of the one of the biggest tool that I used to get busy was the fact that I began to learn skill and when I began to learn skill I found out that I was busier and while I was busy, uh, I had no time to think about all sorts anymore. And um, that's how eventually, you know, I came out of it. So today, I cannot particularly say when exactly I stopped. It's been years, but it, it doesn't stop all at once. Even while I was working on all these things, I said, there were days where I would fall, I would rise again. And then I will fall and rise again. One thing we have to understand is the fact that we are not, what we do is not, it's, it's, it's bad, we know, but it's not the end of the world. It's not lesser than lying. It's not lesser than, you know, backbiting and all the other things that are not healthy. It's not lesser than those things. It is, um, as bad as any other thing that any other person could be struggling with. So it is nothing to be ashamed of. It is nothing that um, you'll be shocked that the moment you talk openly talk about your struggles, if you struggle with these things that I have struggled with, you'll be shocked that the moment you talk about it, the amount of people who come to you opening up about their struggles will be, you know, on, on, on head of a lot of people who struggle with these things in their you know dark times and they're unable to come out i want to encourage somebody that it is possible to come out it is possible to be free um i'm a living example i know so many people who have you know gone through these things and they are free 
um, I, you know, the moment I began to come out and began to be free, the rewards are imaginable, unimaginable. I got clarity about my life. I began to take giant strides. I began to do better things for myself without um, guilt and shame. I began to, you know, openly talk about it as well because that's one step to healing. I began to openly talk about it as I am right now. And um, uh, I, I just feel like, you know, the rewards is un- unimaginable. It just, it looks like, oh, the, the door has finally been opened. And you are no longer in this in this dark, you know, small, cold room where nobody's hearing your shouts. The door has been opened and the future is clear. You can now walk in it. You can now take steps uh, for your life. Um, well, um, it's been me, Fiyi Adolawo, uh, on this very episode of uh, Lead Your Life series. And um, thank you for listening to my story. Uh, well, you can contact me on feyiadonlawo at gmail.com. That's feyiadonlawo at gmail.com. And you can also contact me at feyiadonlawo on all social media platforms. Thank you. for listening to this episode of the Lead Your Life series. This is a special edition of Lead Your Life podcast brought to you by SeasonLifeJournal.com.